Hi friends, my name is Annie Camps and welcome to the Queen of Communication. This podcast is centered all around helping you prepare for your next pageant. Whether you're a seasoned title holder or just starting out, these mock interviews, tips, tricks, and real life stories can help anyone become a better communicator and hopefully secure the title of your dreams. Episode 2 of the Queen of Communication is going to focus completely on my Miss Mississippi Crown interview. I had very many people reach out to me and ask me what I got asked, what I talked about, how I answered those questions, and what my overall feeling was going in and coming out of that interview. If you are unaware, I did just win the title of Miss Mississippi Crown in the Miss Illinois MAO organization. Now this is my third local title that I've held, so I've been able to interview a couple of times in the MAO layout. So I want to clue you in on what I was asked, how I answered that, and hopefully this will help you become more comfortable in your own interview, and these tips and tricks will help you become a queen of communication. Thanks for being here, and let's get started. The first question I got asked had to do with the QR code on my resume. For Miss America candidates this year, we were able to turn in a, I guess, customized, creative resume rather than following a specific format like years prior. So I had colors, I had different fonts, sizes, fun facts about myself, as well as a QR code that would lead my interviewers to my link tree. So I got to expand on what they would find there, a link to Carly the Cactus, the children's book I wrote, and then I also mentioned that they could find resources to take home with them to their communities. I think it was very important that I included that part because that's the main purpose of what I do, is creating resources and giving them to communities that might not have access. So I told them where they could find my link tree and urged them to look on my social media so they could follow other pages that spoke into my life. So I really loved that as a starting question. My second question went off of the first one, and I was asked what the HIIT demo for my talent was. And so I said that it was, it stood for high intensity interval training and that I was doing a fitness demonstration for my talent. And I got to talk about where I teach, why I love fitness, and why I felt it was important to bring a non-traditional talent to the stage. Directly after that, I was asked my third question that was, how should we judge your non-traditional talent? Usually there's a criteria, um, stage presence, use of talent, marketability, all of those things that you are supposed to, I guess, judge a pageant talent on. So I really dove into the marketability of my talent. I made a joke about how they wouldn't book me to sing to them for any occasion, but I could legitimately see this talent being booked at elementary schools, middle schools, and community programs where they would want to have a queen. On top of that, this promotes non-traditional talents in pageantry, which will hopefully invite more women to come participate if they see someone successful who is not a singer, dancer, or instrumentalist. So I loved those two and how they went together and being able to talk about the marketability of my talent, even though it was non-traditional, 
proved that it had value and there was a reason I chose to do that instead of just dancing like I had prior years. The fourth question I got asked caught me off guard. Um, I was asked how I was going to bring my fitness talent to individuals who may not be able to move in a way compatible with fitness. And this was a great opportunity for me to talk about the fact that working out and fitness isn't really about the movement itself. It's about how you incorporate that in your energy and enjoyment. And even if you only have muscle movement from your face up, you can still dance along and have a great time even though you can't move the rest of your body. So it's important to understand that you need to make accommodations for people in the fitness world and for your talents so that everyone gets to enjoy what you're bringing to the table. And I also mentioned that if you're waiting until you see someone who you need to adapt your talent to, then you've waited too long. You should already make those modifications and plan for different types of people to be in your audience so that they can feel included. That is very important as a title holder. So bringing that up was incredible. After the questions surrounding my talent, the fifth question I was asked revolved back to Carly the Cactus, the children's book I wrote, and they asked where they could find it and what it was about. So essentially, it's about someone who's bullied, who does not age and mature as fast as the other cactuses around her, and instead of getting down on herself, she knew that positivity would carry her forward. So at the end of the book, she sprouts the most beautiful flowers, and the other cactuses who were mean to her instead of bullying them back after she becomes more beautiful than they ever could be, she ends up giving them one of her flowers instead. So it's a great message about perseverance, positivity, always looking towards a brighter future, while also not forgetting where you came and giving back to those, even if they weren't the best to you originally. So I love being able to talk about Carly the Cactus because it's hard to talk about surviving adversity to younger groups, if I'm being honest with you. After that, my sixth question went right into the Gabby case, and I love that they asked about this because I live where Jelani Day was murdered, and that's a very important topic to me because of the lack of attention and knowledge surrounding his case. I said that of course I was so happy that Gabby's body was found so her family can have closure. It's more important that many of my interviewers had never heard of Jelani Day and that he was missing for 20 days before the police went looking for him. The fact that a case about a white woman goes viral in 20 hours and Jelani Day's family is still looking for answers to this day, many weeks after I've already won my title. So I'm so glad that I was able to bring attention to that, but also remind them that as a white woman, it's not always my place to speak and I need to give space for individuals who have lived their lives because I can never understand the adversities and the lens in which they live. My next question was about if Miss America was going to remain relevant and I went into the fact that I think that many of the incredible things that will happen in the future 
are because of the women who compete in the Miss America organization and the social impact initiatives that they work through. I was able to talk about the fact that scholarship dollars, Miss America is the leading scholarship provider for young women in America, and the fact that more women are going to college every year than before proves that because it's a scholarship organization and because it pours into the lives of young women to help mold them in their futures, it simply will go nowhere. After that, I was asked point blank, which I have to be honest with you, this is one of, this is the strangest question I've ever been asked in an interview, and it really caught me off guard, but I think it's important to include it in here. I was asked, do you believe we will ever crown a Miss America with the ugly face? Now I first responded with, I don't think you should ever call anyone ugly, but I think based on the Miss America grading criteria, you can have a woman who does not look as attractive as others, who is a great communicator, who puts time into her community, who is service oriented, who is great speaking, who is talented, who is incredible in their own way who may not look like the picture of society's beauty. Now, think to yourself how you would answer that question, because that's a great example of the fact that you can't prepare for everything. Never in my entire life did I think I'd be asked if we can crown a ugly Miss America, but I was, and I handled it, and I know I could answer it in many different ways. But you should really try and expect the unexpected in these interviews, because that was very unexpected. Some of the current event questions I got asked revolved around if Facebook should stick to freedom of speech, or if they should censor things. I said that although they are a private company, they get to make their own choices. I think that if they're promoting 2 plus 2 equals 5, they're obviously knowingly spreading false information and that should not be promoted on the largest social media platform. I was also asked if I believe professional sports should have a salary cap. I made a joke about how I think that if someone becomes a billionaire, they should hit the cap, win an award for being the best person on earth, and then make no more money over that. So I said... In addition to that, I don't think it's fair for a professional athlete to get paid sometimes a thousand times what one of the local cleaners or construction worker or front desk ticketer is making. Without those core people, the famous people wouldn't be making all of their money because no one would want to come to their games if there was dirt and food everywhere on the ground. Am I right? So I got to talk about those two as well, obviously, as the Gabby case for current events. But I was also asked, do you think social media hurts or helps relationships? And as a master of communication student and instructor, I understand how we have a lot less communication skills than we did before, just because a lot of things are computer mediated. But on top of that, if you're in the Miss America organization, you know we just got an entire group of every single woman who's ever participated and we are sharing our social impact initiatives we are donating to our causes we are spreading the word we are supporting each other in a way that has never happened in the history of miss america before so although yes it can hurt relationships i think that those relationships weren't as strong to begin with 
if they can be dismantled by social media or someone's lies over the internet, then maybe it wasn't as strong to begin with. And I think ultimately, it can help if used correctly. I was then asked if I thought attractive women should use their looks to get ahead, and I talked a little bit about nonverbals and how, unfortunately, people who you deem attractive, you'll think that they're better than those who you don't. But I also brought up the fact that I like when you get invited into rooms, maybe based on you being attractive, maybe based on you having a Miss America title, that you bring substance with that because it's more important that once you're invited, you bring value than being invited in the first place. And then after that, I was also asked, do you think that women have it easier than men? And I straight up said, I'm never going to answer that question. Mostly because although I've lived as a woman and I know obviously the struggles that we have, I don't know what it would be like to be a boy growing up, to be told you can't cry when you have emotions, to be told that women will only love you if you have money and provide. I don't know how I would deal with my mental health if I grew up a boy, and I'm completely honest with that. I don't think anyone has it easier or worse. I think that there are societal barriers that are put up that hinder women. But I think that the same is for men. And once we start to realize that every single person has it differently, that's when we'll start to get on the same page. These last two questions I saved till the end, not because they were asked in that order, but because They're the more personal ones, and I think these are really important to include in your interview as well, because although they want a well-spoken woman who's educated and passionate and works through her social impact, they also want to see a real person, and they want someone who's relevant, who can connect to every type of audience. And so they asked me, what's one thing that we wouldn't know about you? And I told them about Elizabeth and how when Cliff died, my uncle They both mentioned that it was always their dream to go skydiving, and I have never gone skydiving, and Cliff had always said that he wanted to bring me, but because my birthday was in November, it was always too cold. And so when I watched a video of Elizabeth, and she also said that she wanted to go skydiving, but was too young, I decided then that I had to go skydiving for them, because they wanted to do it before they passed and didn't get the opportunity. So that's something that I want to do one day. I don't know when, but that's the honest truth because I didn't know I wanted to do that either until I saw Elizabeth's video and I remembered how important that experience would have been to have with Cliff before he passed. And finally, for the first time ever in an interview, and this is this is incredible, I was asked about my tattoo on my arm. And many of you listening may think, well, that's so silly. Of course, they asked you about your tattoo. I've never been asked, and I've always been afraid that I've been looked at in a negative light because I have tattoos without being able to explain the incredible meaning and message behind them. So the one on my arm says, I think of you every day, and it's written in my father's handwriting from a card he sent me 
after my Uncle Cliff had passed away. And I was in a really dark place. That was before I started going to therapy. That was before I reevaluated my life and how to add value and happiness and positivity instead of just being negative all the time. And so being able to read that on my arm every single day reminds me that there's someone on this earth who's thinking about me and loves me and values me, even if I don't think I hold value. And that's hard to hear, but a lot of people deal with mental health, and there are some days where I'm just more down than others. So having this tattoo on my arm and having the rest on my body in the handwriting of my loved ones carries me through the day. And so being asked about that in my interview was incredible. And I thanked her for asking me that. And hopefully at Miss Illinois and every pageant after, I'm also asked about my tattoos so that I can talk about them. And the fact that me having them and being a title holder doesn't change what I bring to the table and doesn't change who I am or how I'm a role model or how I can impact them with this title. Well, that's the end of all of the questions I could remember. I do have a video recording of myself, but if I have to be honest with you, this is the first time I've ever had access to something like that. I have never watched myself in an official interview, so I'm very nervous to see how I act, how I sound, how other people see me when I'm in that really stressful situation. So I may have another podcast come out talking about that talking about evaluating myself and how hard that is to take criticisms as a title holder, but also on the flip side, how important that is to become the best version of yourself and the best competitor. Because unfortunately, it's the honest truth that you need to be good at competing to win titles and to win platforms to make real change. So I'm so excited that you joined me on my second episode of the Queen of Communication. Please reach out to me if you have any questions, any topics you want me to record on, literally anything. I am here for you. I hope this helped. I hope this makes you more comfortable. Please reach out and let me know how you would answer these yourself. If you thought I handled myself kind of okay, and hopefully you'll become a better queen of communication. <laughs>